And we're back. <laughs> Episode two, apparently. <laughs> I like the name you gave it. Fitness is fucked. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that came back. I am kind of too, even though like I was trying to move away from it because it was like, are we just bitching about it being fucked or are we actually like fixing it or are we like? I think we should explain the original premise of fitness is fucked. And I think that might segue nicely into the conversation we decided to have about it. Oh, okay. yeah. Fucking. Well, I mean, you titled the first symposium we ever had, Fitness is Fucked. <laughs> yeah. So what were your thoughts? Like, I have my own, but what were your thoughts when you called it that? And I know, like, there was some disgruntledness with the in, with the industry in there, but I don't think it was just as, like, straightforward as, like, oh, it's fucked. I feel like I'm going to justify this Okay. in retrospect, but if I can remember correctly, I think my – obviously, it's a commentary on the fitness industry. Right. But also, I think it was like, for lack of a better term, like a call to arms for people who are searching for a way to access something bigger than themselves through themselves. And then they are presented an endless snake oil salesman, uh, you know, fucking... You got to throw out the word charlatan. It's the yeah, podcast like, favorite yeah, word. Yeah, like something, something like that. Like it's like a carnival. Yeah. Right where you like, I tried to get myself better, but in looking, I now own every kind of coconut oil or MCT therapy. I've gotten into coffee enemas and like none of this shit does it. It like, it's interesting. And maybe that's how they do it is because some people that like explore effort and hard things through sport or whatever, uh, they explore like the density of the foundation of why it is. And then they get into these like weird things like Manuka honey for performance. <laughs> and I think the commentary on fitness is fucked was like, uh, people are attracted to the easy button stuff. Right. But I think there's, I, I think it was a, well, I would say it would like, it's like a signal flare is because I think people uh, are still looking for something that's like meaningful information, um, in, in outside of the context of just, I want to be more fit, but like fitness is used to touch something, to touch an aspect of life that people have a hard time talking about. Yeah. And I mean, I always took it as th- there's more meaningful things you can do in this industry that aren't just like sets and reps or, yep. you know, even competing or trying to turn everybody into your gym and do an athlete or, you know, thinking that a box squat is the best way to do something or everybody has to bench press. Like it, it feels more, it feels deeper and more nuanced to me than that. And while those mm-hmm. things work in our tools and they're useful, there's no like one thing that defines how to do everything. Yeah. And, and that maybe that's like <laughs> in our, in our like lack of awareness, we usually just are making jokes about things and they're really, I think, extracts from our subconscious that's actually like moving something that's bigger that we can't see like our subconscious kind of knows what is going on and it's always trying to like yeah we're making a joke about something but also uh we're making commentary on basically what we've invested our time in for the last 20 years right and that and i think when people get the joke it's it's like i've explained this a couple different ways but i think this is like worth explaining again um that offense is usually misunderstanding like when you're offended by something like if it's a bad joke it's a bad joke but generally you're like uh you retract because you actually don't understand the humor behind it so jokes and humor and comedy become like this intricate way to share an appreciation for an understanding that's what that's like why you laugh right right there and so when we're making these jokes about the industry about like fitness is fucked and you know, whatever else talking about charlatans and snake oil summons. Uh, what we're really doing is like, we're looking for camaraderie through understanding when people are like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I was a coach. This is what happened to me. Or I was an athlete. Then I found this. And then I ended up in this really shitty place. We're like, yeah, you're one of us right. now come look at the better part of it. I guess maybe that's a better way to put it. 
Yeah, I've had more, and this has happened a lot more in the last like three to four years than before, where I've realized that the barbell, the dumbbells, the machines, like those help create an environment to have conversations where people can actually make the changes they want. They aren't the changes in and of themselves. Yeah. Like showing up to the gym is great, and I know that's really difficult for a lot of people to do, and that's like that's step one, mm-hmm. walking in the door. Mm-hmm. But then at some point that has to evolve into something else. And I think that only happens through dialogue. And it's, yeah, I think getting more confident in the gym, learning how to lift weights, learning how to, you know, develop an aerobic system. I think all that is obviously useful. I mean, that's the point. But also like that is the thing that then leads to broader conversations about, or maybe more nuanced conversations, not broader, Mm -hmm. about how people can actually affect change in their lives outside of the gym using what they've learned inside of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think when you look at our practice, it's like largely allegory for like something more, because nobody's impressed by like really anything here, right? Like we we have, (laughs) we have, uh, you know, ex-professional athletes, we've had Olympic hopefuls, we've had NFL, NBA, any numerous of like world champions come through here. And in the end, they're working on literally the same kind of problems that Joe that works at the cubicle at the bank down the street. Right. And I think people miss that. Like they think once you've hit a certain level of (laughs) success in athletics in any shape or form, like problems go away. Uh, Yeah. Like enlightenment is attached to it. or something. Right. And they actually, I feel like compound. Yeah. Physical problems, emotional problems, psychological, like all of those things we see in high level athletes, like they exist in abundance. So we mentioned, maybe this is like, I don't, this is the first time kind of thinking about it in this aspect, but as you were talking about it, yeah, I I think you're right. Like people think that they get access to this physical medium. And if they're able to express that, um, that development at the highest level that that will answer some of their fundamental questions about like what the world is like and what they are like as a human being. And I think if you draw a straight line to the achievement that you can imagine, it's like what we were talking about last week where we're saying like, if you think you know what you're reading about, you don't know, right? You're not going to, you're going to miss the bigger thing. So if you think, Hey, if I develop this, uh, physical attribute and maybe it's attached to like a very genuine uh like human uh attribute like strength and perseverance in the face of attrition or like whatever the the bigger thing is you you think well if i do if i develop that and showcase that on the world stage that says a jujitsu competition or whatever then i will have mastered that right but really you are already kind of expecting what the lessons are and what the outcome is, which, which means, means you're, you're actually gonna miss, missing them. You're going to miss the bigger yeah. picture. And I think um, that that's like, not to tie to this, but it is very close to how people describe enlightenment in like new age circles or whatever, where you're like, uh, you know, what I, I want to like meditate my way to enlightenment, whatever that means to you. But in the Eastern tradition, that's like a, it's a state of being where you're kind of at peace with everything. Nirvana is this like, you know, and it basically means you don't give a shit <clears throat> about life or anything like that. But you can essentially just like, that's what people are trying to achieve. So you're like, once you, if you try to like speed up that process, it actually takes longer. So you can't just ayahuasca yourself into <laughs> self-actualization. <laughs> I mean, it's a good parallel, right? Because I don't, I think people do take it the same way where they're just like, oh, if I just do more of it, it'll happen. Yeah, and, and it's not that any of those things are unuseful, but I think it's when you fall into the trap of like, I only have to do this and I'll be there. And you like miss all of the other work that happens outside of that. I would, I would like honestly compare psychedelic use to like competitive sport. In A, how it really shortcuts the learning process, right? You're not in a, not in a bad way, but usually in an application way. Like, I think if I learn something in a bike race that I'm like suddenly this evolved being, and if I have a psychedelic trip where I also learn some lessons, I imagine that I'm some kind of advanced person, but really I haven't put those into practice outside of the artificial constraint. And that that is what most people miss is that the sport is artificial constraint. Psychedelics are an artificial constraint. They're like amplifying uh, maybe 
amplifying your ability to deal with certain things. Sometimes it's hardship, sometimes it's amazing bliss, whatever, in both aspects. I mean, I've had races where I have not felt any pain. I haven't felt really like uh, any kind of hardship. And I've also like learned very little. And uh, whether it's good or bad depends on how I apply those things outside of the actual sport, I think. Yeah, because it's it's like shining a light on a lesson you can learn, but if you don't implement it outside of those, then you don't develop the habit or the you don't learn the lesson fully. I think so. Yeah, I my best guess, and this can get like highly contrived because you know we're like talking about a bunch of different things, but what we're reaching at is like there is something there's personal development that has nothing to do with sport or performance but it does have to do with effort and physicality. Right. And it gives you access into these, uh, I would say, states of consciousness and mind expansion. Like the the best way for me to describe it, because I don't use very many psychedelics at all anymore. Like I, it, it, it'll happen when it happens, but I'm not seeking that experience anymore. I have like really no reason to do it anymore. And it's logically because I've done a lot of it and kind of like, Oh, okay. I see what's going on here. But the same thing is true of certain sporting contexts. I don't need to like race a bike anymore. Like there's, there's not much for me to learn there. Same thing with CrossFit. There's not much for me to learn in CrossFit. And it's, it's basically just risking something for not very big reward, but jujitsu still provides this very psychic mind expanding experience where I'm very terrified of it. Um, it's just, what it is it's like another person trying to strangle strangle you is like <laughs> yeah and it, you know generally i'm guessing it's a different person a lot of the times and <laughs> every time and you know, sometimes they're real fucking serious about ending you <laughs> and you're like you kind of in here it's not the same thing as being in a like you know death situation but your body doesn't really know that like your mind is perceiving danger and there's really no like just kidding danger yeah it's it's like i hope when i tap they let go right like you you're most likely not going to die <laughs> right but you know you could injure something pretty severely in that sport just oh yeah some just guy fucking just, around in fact I, uh, george's gym is connected this guy just broke his neck and paralyzed for Ugh. life basically on an accidental roll oh, <clears throat> with like one of the better people at jujitsu it's just a total freak accident but it does happen that's a bummer yeah, it's a, it's a lawsuit. It's a whole big mess. But that that's how I that's how I like first started thinking about the fitness is fucked thing. Is like let's raise a flag and show other people that we're also really frustrated with how people perceive this uh, this industry and that the, there's something very different um, that is going on if you practice differently and you think about it differently and you have different conversations and you do it with different people. Um, the really interesting part, I was just talking to a friend of mine, Australian friend of mine. Uh, he had come way back in the day, he'd come out to like Jim Jones seminars and he's been like fairly active. I haven't heard from him for a while. And then like, man, something booted up and he's, you know, it's social media. So for whatever reason, he's part of the algorithm again. So I've been like watching stuff that he's doing. It's like, he's taking care of himself. He's like super healthy, really active, um, doing kind of the same old shit that we're always doing. So nothing new on that side. Uh, but he sent me uh, some videos of him doing some uh, intervals and he's like, I still got it, you know, 52 or whatever. And I was like, um, do you always train? My own first course is like, do you always train alone? Cause the thing I was getting and hopefully like, hopefully he recognizes that I'm talking about him and we can have another conversation about it. Um, I got from that. It's like, he has nobody to share this with cause no one gives a fuck about intervals. I could give a shit less. <laughs> right. Four by 30, 30, whatever. And I hit this. So I'd be like, it wouldn't matter if it was a world record. Like I just don't care. Right. <clears throat> and so I asked him like where I think, where, where I think he was wanting to like have an exchange, which is like, do you train with anybody? You know, are you always training by yourself. He's like, I fucking hate training with other people. It's like, no shit. <laughs> And I was like, that's so weird. And he's like, why? Like everybody I trained with, they're like always talking the whole time. I was like, oh yeah, people are terrible, but training partners aren't like training partners are on the same, you know, there's yeah, a, if you find the right ones. Yeah. You got to find, you got to find the right ones. Yeah. And so we went back and forth and he was like, oh, I even ride alone, ride my bike alone. Like, that was the only part of bike racing I liked. 
was like, when I was done and wanting to quit, somebody else would be there to be like, hey, I think we should go a little bit further. Or Mark would be like, hey, let's like go up this way. And when he was tired, I would do the same thing for him. And so there's this aspect of showing up with somebody and pushing yourself to a degree that you can't normally. And on the metrics, I just replied like, dude, you need to train with other people. We have 50 year old, we have a handful of 50 year olds here that would fucking eat you alive. But they're training with other people. And so they're like getting this aspect of themselves out there. And this is, this is part of what I think this conversation accomplishes, which is finding where people are limiting and helping them express that. Do you think the wanting to train alone is like a self-preservation? Like, I don't have to go hard if I don't want to because there's nobody here to hold me accountable. Maybe not all the time, but... To some degree, yeah, because when I don't want to fuck up, I think I really like, oh, I should probably train alone. I should, I should really moderate it. I think that's true. And I think you should do probably the majority of your activity alone. I think that's, I think that's correct. But when with seeking to push yourself... I think you should train with somebody else. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about it because, I mean, I'm Mr. Bike Interval myself, or used to be. <laughs> and I never really liked when people did it with me. Now you're never going to send me your bike intervals. <laughs> yeah, no, not one time am I going to do that anymore. <laughs> and I'm just now I'm wondering if that was like me. Like, I think I used to say, like, I, I don't know what I used to Like, I just didn't like it. What, intervals alone? Or, no, I liked training oh. alone and didn't want people to do it with me. And I don't know if that was me being like, well, if they're here, I got to like put on the show and do the thing. Oh, yeah. More so than, you know, if I'm not feeling up to it, I don't quite go as hard. I don't know if that was fear based or if I just genuinely didn't want to do it with other people. Or maybe I just wasn't around the right people to do it with. I, again, I think it's that. Yeah. I think it's like because um, when you get around the right people. They will understand when you back off. Right. When you're like, oh, I don't have it today. I mean, yeah, because when you and I train together, like, there's never even a. No. I don't even think about it. I no. go like, oh shit, Michael did the sixty. I need to try to do the sixty. And even today, I was like, but not today. Yeah, but when we do go and you are feeling good, you're going to use that. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's something you can tap into, but you're not, you're not dependent on it. Right. I think that's the difference, and yeah. that's that's the difference between community and being on your own. Like the thing on your own, I think a bench is a dead end. Yeah, it is a dead end. Unless you're my dad. <laughs> well, he's a freak, right? <laughs> he is such a freak. Um, you mentioned something. This is kind of interesting. Uh, you posted about it, but you're talking about, uh, this would be on the topic of fitness. Is yeah. You were talking about the, uh, how CrossFit gyms are moving into a Hydrox affiliation. I hadn't, I didn't even know they offered it. So it was the first time I'd ever heard it, but your, um, displeasure i thought was um correctly i guess attributed yeah i think it's interesting and from what i can gather hyrox never had any you know aspirations of affiliating gyms yeah. and i think and i'm guessing this is this stems from crossfit where you know you as much as they want to say that crossfit gyms and the sport are separate <laughs> they can't control the 15,000 gyms that exist and the way people kind of perceive <laughs> mm -hmm those two things being together. And I think a lot of those gyms program in a way that like you're trying to make people competitive. Yeah. And that has become like the part of fitness that just fucking drives me mad. And that's not because I think competition is bad, but I don't, I don't think it's used correctly. Yeah. And now they're over. Now they're taking a competition and being like, Oh, we need gyms specifically to do this competition. Yeah. And it's like, shouldn't all gyms be able to develop people in a way where they can do the things they want to do competitively, um, safely, and otherwise. And now it just seems like, like, what do you do in a high rocks gym? Do you just do 60 minute workouts all the time at high intensity to get better at 60 minute workouts? Cause that's not the way it works. Yeah, I think, so I, I obviously totally agree at the kind of like asinine nature of it. Cause it, it is backwards. Um, but I also see it as like, uh, well, we're messing with two different things. <clears throat> First of all, no one cares about actual fitness most of the time they care first and foremost about whether something is profitable in which case like that that is what our society is based off of so i think you have to recognize that that is always the aim first is whether they can make a model profitable sure and if you can it shows that i guess it holds people's interest it's not totally dangerous because i guess enough people can do it without there being like a bad reputation 
I think it shows some positive things other than the fact that they're really good at marketing. Or they were like, we didn't know this would be so wildly successful. And then they had like a company come in and be like, here's how you like amplify that. And, and uh, we've had conversations about these kinds of things. So I, I know exactly, I know exactly the kind of conversations they're probably having after they're like, man, Hydrox is like trending like this. This is how it's growing. People are really interested. They want more Hydrox. And so they're like, let's offer a gym or like that, that becomes the next thing. Uh, and I don't, I think it's probably on accident, so I wouldn't hold it against them necessarily. But your comment on CrossFit affiliates switching to becoming like a hydro or maybe both, or maybe it's like a combination of something to try to like, now you're looking at, this is where I think the, the biggest criticism should be. You're looking at maybe um, a population of, you know, 100 to 300 people who are inside a training facility that's run by people who don't know how to train people. And they're looking to uh, affiliate because they're not even profitable. Right. That is where yeah. I, I think, it, that's where I think the... <laughs> it it kind of feels like a step below or maybe above Groupon, where yeah. you're like, oh, the way we've been doing it isn't working. Oh, this thing's trendy. This thing's popular. Yeah. We'll now become that. Yeah instead of like actually creating an identity for yourself as a gym of like the way you want to help people. Well, and this, I think this happens in kind of every fuck. It, I mean, where, where does it not happen? I guess is the bigger question, because if I really think about it, <laughs> like, uh, FRC was making a big deal when I got like the certification. They're like, oh, and then you list on, you become an affiliate and then you start, if you, then you take the kin stretch thing and then you teach a kin stretch class. And we're like, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, no, thanks. Like I, you know, for other, I was looking at it at the time, like, oh, this is like when people need business or something, then yeah, they should probably do that. Right, they like, hang the certificate on the wall if you need to. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's not what I'm here for. I'm like here because they had methodology that I wanted to implement into our population, but I don't need to like run a class or user marketing or have the, like somebody find me off of their website. In fact, that's the opposite that I would want. Um, but now when you think about it, that's kind of how everybody wants to set it up. In fact, when people talk about their business spreading, I think that's largely what they're talking about. We like, that's, that's where Jim Jones like came down first, uh, you know, seminar, you know, mill certificate, uh, kind of conveyor belt kind of deal. And then the next top was like affiliation. So you could get like the Jim Jones banner. And that, that became, that really became the thing where people come and they were, to be fair, there, Mark was like a lot better about requiring certain things. So they held up kind of the ethos a little bit better, but it's essentially just a money grab. You know, it's like, well, people want more and they're willing to pay for it. So you might as well ship them a banner and some t-shirts or allow them to come for a couple of weeks. And when you think about it here, you're like, you know what? <laughs> let's say we grow uh, and, and let's say we come up with some kind of like IP that's interesting, which is like, I don't know, maybe how to coach coaches or something. And somebody wants that to grow. There should be an outlet where things that work grow. But what is that? <laughs> like if, if the yeah. criticism holds true of like, man, what they're doing, this is different. But like, how do you, how do you, a, uh, like identify what the exact problem is with like everybody doing Hydrox every day or everybody doing CrossFit every day, which I see a huge problem with because I think in the end they're just breaking people. Like I really do think it's more dangerous than people think uh, that it is and not dangerous as in like acute injury, but in like chronic wear and setting people up metabolically to be kind of fucked up. But also, I'm still appreciative that the methodology was pretty cool for, it was different. A hundred percent. And I mean, I'll, every one of these episodes, I'll probably say like, I'm not, I'm not knocking CrossFit as a whole. I mean, I have a job essentially yeah. because of it. That's basically how I started. And I know a lot of people started because of that. Something about like the just flip-flopping from CrossFit to High Rocks. I don't know why that bothers me so much other than I guess my standards of coaching is like if you have an athlete in your gym regardless of your affiliation you should be able to get them to that level yeah at least maybe not every single coach that you have in your gym because there's you know different levels and different <laughs> experiences but you know like if five people in your gym are like hey we're gonna do high rocks in august or whatever yeah. like oh sweet like 
let's talk about it and figure it out as opposed to, and I don't think it was like, we have five people that want to do it. Let's change the affiliate. I'm sure it was a money grab. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was trying to find new ways to promote it. High Rocks is very trendy right now. It, I don't want to say it's taking over CrossFit because I don't, I don't think that's true quite yet, but I know it's a very popular thing to do. It's very low skill. You know, you don't have to do gymnastics mm-hmm. or, you know, Olympic weightlifting or anything that's a little more technical. So I get the draw to it, but I don't know what it is that bothers me so much other than like it's uh it feels like it lacks creativity for sure yeah it's like take it's leveraging somebody else's idea so i think that that is probably i think my maybe why i don't i see what you're saying um and opens up like kind of a big window into how you think about i don't know different gyms or different brands get recognition and i would say the same thing about Anybody that has been a successful athlete that opens a gym, I also think is fucking ridiculous. Right? I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Although I understand where most people are like, oh, yeah, but they're the five-time whatever. And you're like, it means they're good at it, sure. It does not mean that they can get other people good at it. And it doesn't mean they understand like anything but themselves, maybe. And sometimes it's sometimes they don't even understand themselves. I think a lot of the times they don't because I do think high level athletics in a way is an escape of sorts. Yeah, it was for me. Yeah, um, I know George has talked about it in a similar way. Um, I've met other people that may or may not believe that's what they're doing, but when you meet them, you're kind of like, it's what you're doing. Yeah. So what? Like what? What do you think? Like what is the purpose of a gym? And granted, it's obviously a broad spectrum, but what do you think the biggest thing that is not getting fulfilled? Like if you were gonna like create a gym, what would be at the core of it? I feel like the people that walk through your door come first. And it's not your perceptions of good or bad, it's your interactions with those people that drive the way things go. So it's not like you come into my High Rocks affiliate and we're gonna do High Rocks, mm-hmm. it's you come into my gym and we're gonna fit you in where it works best and get you up to speed with whatever you need to more than just like overlaying some broad methodology and being like, this is for everybody. Yeah. Well, do you think I like, do you think that maybe we're just doing it? Like we're kind of looking at gyms as just like highly specialized at this point. Yeah. And we're letting people decide with their dollars, what they think they want to be. And what you're saying is like, most people probably don't know uh, that you want to be a general practitioner as a gym first and foremost, but before a specialist. So, I think so. Yeah, you're, you're saying like most gyms should be general practice and then they should have other like specialists that fall into Yeah, that. I feel like, you know, and I, my journey in this world has been unique, I think. I mean, I've trained under Burdick for powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I was at OPT when I started with CrossFit and I've met you and Mark through endurance and all of the other shit that we got into and talked about. <laughs> Um, even like dating Alex Lachance, like a fucking games athlete, national level weightlifter, one of the best gymnasts, probably the best gymnastics coach in the country that I've ever met. And like seeing the issues that arise from high level athletics, but also like all of the understanding of those little nuanced tools and how to utilize them. Like there isn't, I don't think a correct, like, oh, it's just the barbell or it's just the machines or it's just running. It's like a person comes in and almost... I hate to say like a doctor because I mean, doctors just use algorithms, but you have to like kind of figure out the person and see like what makes them tick and figure out how to manipulate them in a way that yeah. like gets them on the path they want to go on. Yeah. Do you, do you think that like, and this is just a new way of maybe just look at like most gyms should be, you know, general practitioners, like your, your general doctor, your, most gyms should be like PE class. I think so. Where it's like widely varied. Um, You're just balancing people out and teaching them about physical education and pointing them in the right direction if they do decide that they want to run a marathon or they want to race a bike or they want to weightlift or something like that. Yeah, and I don't think you need to know, like if somebody came to me and was like, I want to run an ultra. Yeah. I get it. I'm not terribly into it. I've never ran one, so I also don't get it in that regard. I don't have that experience. So I'd be like, yeah, call up George. He's fucking great at him. Yeah, I think how you're comparing is kind of funny because it means that most gyms are more like <laughs> plastic surgery than they are like general practitioners. I think that's true. Right? They're like <clears throat> more that's like That's a good analogy. 
right? Like they're just like, yeah, yeah, come in. Uh, Brazilian butt lift and some tits and some lips and some injections and like get all the extras. And you're like, don't do that until like your liver is functioning correctly and your heart is in good condition. You're eating correctly. And you're like, you're looking as like a, a doc, not a modern doctor because modern doctors are fucking off the Richters with how ridiculous they are. Well, maybe more like Eastern medicine kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. There's okay. There's no, there's no culture that knows how to make people healthy essentially is what we're saying. <laughs> And you're trying to, and I think physical culture has a lot to do with that because when people inherently do come in, we talk about the, the basics of training, the basic, the fundamentals of physiology. Um, everybody should be kind of an expert on their own body. They should understand how to eat, how to sleep, how to recover, how to work. I think they should understand they only get one, (laughs) right? Like you only get one of these Yeah. and the way you treat it now when you're younger, as you start aging, like all of that is going to affect you into your later years. And I mean, yeah, if you're Darren Williams and you're fucking amazing at basketball and you understand that over time it's going to wear you down and whatever, but like, I, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. But to like put that on the everyday average gym goer, which the 99% of the people in your gym are, I believe. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Cause <clears throat> I've been going down some like plyometrics stuff lately like just looking for fun because i miss jumping and i notice like a deficit happened especially because i'm not like olympic weight lift uh, uh olympic style weightlifting anymore or, or very much like i'm like i need another way to like produce power um i think jumping is fucking fun I, I think it's great and it i believe it's one of like foot speed and coordination is one of like the biggest markers for longevity yeah so i, I think i think it's like smart but how quick I'm talking about like basic shit. Like I can broad jump. I can depth jump. I can do all of like, I'm not, you know, I'm not like super explosive. I don't have like really, you know, high end athleticism, but I can develop it to a pretty good degree as much as like my white kid genetics will <laughs> let me. Um, but it's funny when I like start looking at videos and I'm looking for like, you know, little foot drills and stuff that are like cool for teaching new neural pathways or they just look tricky or maybe it's a way to work the feet. Um, how fucking complex people get with the shit immediately. And you see people like jump to that stuff. Like I, I've showed you a couple of videos, that guy doing like a fucking 70 inch depth drop oh, onto yeah. one foot. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like that's cool. But also <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I, and I think people are, are drawn to the big sexy thing still, obviously. And I think that's, that's one of the, the reasons like, how would you take your idea and make it actually like a concept that people would be interested in it? other than like, cause if you're like, do you know what I sell? Adult PE, like come get yelled at by a coach that, you know, Looks like he's got a problem with alcohol or like whatever. The, <laughs> he has a mustache. And I a just whistle. got a very vivid image of my like middle school gym teacher, 100%. <laughs> Mr. Corey. Yeah. I still remember his ridiculously short shorts. But <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that's appropriate for middle school. No, in fact, I think my gym teacher when I was in eighth grade, which is very sad because I did a report on Taekwondo and he, man, he was the first person. He was so fucking cool about it. He's like, you did an excellent job. He's like, I'm so impressed with your work ethic. And I was like, Oh my God, a male yeah. figure. And then like two weeks later, he got arrested for molesting some kid. Like, I was are like, you my dad? And then I also felt like I missed out. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't know. I have, I've been thinking about that for a while, especially since moving back here. And I, I don't exactly know how to package it other than maybe to explain like, I think the learning and coaching is a constant process. Like you never just like with fitness, like you never arrive. Mm-hmm. Like there's too much involved between physiology, psychology, philosophy, sociology, understanding people, and kind of figuring out the things that make people tick. And it, I mean, that's how I do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody has to do what I do. Like coaching. Oh no, most people just stop learning for sure. And I think, <laughs> no, I think, and I think that's my biggest problem when it comes to affiliating under something that offers like a very specific way to train like once you get like pigeonholed into like all I do is coach powerlifting or all I do is CrossFit and then you have you know the gen pop people of the world come in and you give them that program I'm not saying it doesn't work I don't think it works long term 
and I think developing all of those skills. I mean, I remember in 2016, I was looking at going back to school and I was down at CSA with Burdick and I was like, what should I go to school for? Like kinesiology? And he was like, why would you just want to argue with professors that what they teach and what actually happens isn't real? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, going to sociology or psychology, that's what you deal with on a day-to-day basis with people. Yeah, that's I, what's happening. And I was like, oh, interesting. And I never ended up going to actual college. I just met you and Mark. Yeah. And that kind of like helped develop that skill set for me. Um, and I've, I think I've always been good with people. I've always read people well. So I kind of get people a little more than most, I think. Like, yeah. I think that's just kind of like a gift of mine. Yeah. Do, I mean, is that something you can translate to other people? I'm working on it. Yeah. It To me right now, like the way I coach feels like putting in or like playing a video game. When you're like, dude, how'd you do that? And you're like, oh. Yeah. Um, and that, I'm not trying to like talk myself up that just like feels like it comes naturally yeah you like know what to say in the moment but you don't know how to tell somebody what to say right or how to cue or it, like it's not what to say necessarily it's like how to communicate yeah it's how to interact and, and i do think like my upbringing the hardships that i've gone through all the death that i've experienced like i think that helps yeah and i think that helps me be able to relate to people with like vulnerability and like open a line of communication where they're like oh, he's shared some shit with me. Like, that dude's been through some shit. Like, yeah. I can open up and share shit with him instead of being, like, the disappointed dad in the corner that's like, everything you do isn't good enough. Because I don't like <laughs> yeah. when people are like that with me. No, it, because it feels forced. Right. And and I think you're right. There There is something... there. There is, like, I guess an X factor, for yeah. lack of a better term, to... Um, uh, it's funny, because Mark told me the same thing. Mark told I was like, should I go, like, should I get a sports physio? Like, should I go, you know, sports science, sports nutrition? Should I get a PhD? And he was just like, why? And I was like, oh, that's a weird answer. And he's like, what do you not know how to learn? And I was like, well, I don't know how to learn. And he's like, then why do you need to go to somebody to teach you something? Other than like specifically for what you want to learn. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong with this, but I feel like we both were probably looking for like, something of validation to hold on to to show people like i know it instead of just knowing it and using it and i think mark and it sounds like burdick knew that like they knew like (laughs) that's not required like you your authority is based off of like how good you are at something right right you're like once you are good at something you will have authority and i think that that's where like but it's the long road and it's not the thing that you ever feel confident when you don't know enough or you're you're not sure if you can do something you're never like oh if i do this a bunch of times i'll know it all feels like i'll never understand the coaching process from the aspect of i just started learning training by first attending classes then asking questions reading books and then i started running my friends through stuff and then eventually I had good reactions, so I started like charging people to do it, and then other people started coming. Then I, eventually, I had a full clientele. Yeah, it, I mean, for us both, it we kind of like created our own apprenticeship, yeah, unknowingly almost, for like, sure. You just yeah. kind of fell into it, and you're like, oh, here we go, yeah. And then it was like on us to learn outside of what we were being taught, yeah. To kind of like bring it all together in a way that it made sense to us. And this is what is fascinating me to today about the same thing is like. Uh, I, I, maybe it's just a level of motivation. It's like people are not motivated to figure things out on their own. They like they think that me telling them the answer is going to be the thing. And I like I get it because I was at one point in that same position. But when when there wasn't an answer, I went searching for an answer, even though there there really is never an answer. But I wanted to get informed somehow, and. And I think most people today just want to be told that they know how to, they're okay to do it. You're okay, go do your thing. And that, that that's what a degree or a certificate or a thing, it's like permi- Berkey talks about is like, oh, I got a permission slip to practice the thing that I've been wanting to practice. It, I kind of feel like affiliating under a yeah. CrossFit or a High Rocks is the same thing. Yeah, because what do you get in a weekend at CrossFit, right? A, a, a level one, yeah, you get a t-shirt and a lot of information, but <laughs> how much of it are you like, oh, cool, now I have no questions? You're like, no, of course you have questions. Like, it, and I would 
argue, and again, we can bring up Chris Warden, and he can tell me if I'm wrong if he listens to this. <laughs> but I know, like, when CrossFit started, he was kind of in that, and I know he knows Greg mm -hmm. and understands, like, the original methodology, yeah. which it doesn't look to me like is still being the thing that is followed. Not even. They no. use the tagline, but it, it doesn't seem the same. It's like CrossFit in early 2000s was gym class. Yeah. Like you had 30 to 45, maybe 60 minutes, depending on the class. You like practiced a skill. Yeah. Or you ran around with fucking ab mats playing the pizza game or, you yeah. know, whatever the warm up was. <laughs> stick this game. fucking stick game, George. Um, <laughs> but like that's kind of like when I first got into CrossFit or like saw it, that's kind of what I thought. And then it got really weird really quickly when the game started and everybody wanted to be an athlete. Yeah, that is that is fascinating how competition has drastically changed the original tenets of it, and now they just overshadow everything. Why? Like, why is that? Like, what what is it about? Is it just because we think that because that we we're this is how dumb we are as like animals? We identify well, that's the name, and then that's the name of the same thing that's happening, and that this is like the pinnacle of the name. Yeah, and I do think a lot of gyms, at least, you know, early 2010s, 14s, 15s, probably now too, like those gyms were created by athletes. Yeah. So okay. those athletes wanted to go do the thing. And I think it's hard. I mean, I did it when I like with powerlifting, like I was good at it and I loved it. So I was like, everybody should powerlift. Yeah. And now I'm not like incredibly healthy in mobility, stability, joints, back. Yeah. And now it's like, Okay, there's got to be a better way to do this. Like, there has to be like a way to make longevity within training that isn't sending people to chiropractors and PTs, you know, regularly. Like, you shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. You're, like the the natural human animal should work out most of their issues on their own. Like, aside from you know, because locomotion, movement, rest, all of that stuff, that should probably sort ninety nine percent. And I don't out. think coaches should be giving those issues to people. Like, it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. acute injuries happen. Sure, you know, everybody's got different um, a different anatomy, so there are going to be things that overuse might pop up sooner in somebody. Like, I just had a athlete get um, rotator cuff surgery. Oh yeah, but the way like the humeral head goes into the sock, or not the humeral head. The way, I, forget, I think it was the way his clavicle is shaped, it like curves up okay. so that like the rotator cuff like rubs on it, which oh, isn't weird. natural, like isn't natural human anatomy. It's like, like a deformation. Yeah, it's just this very slight, and I think they shaved it down so he didn't have it now. But like that injury, generally speaking, was caused because of that kind of abnormality more than anything else. Oh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, there there is that kind of stuff where people are like, legitimately not shaped and you could probably talk about hip shapes and like the socket of the femur yeah, even how it sits. you know ape index when somebody yeah. comes in and they can like scratch their knees without bending over you're like, <laughs> like Aaron all right yeah, yeah. You're like all right we yeah. you know just because the lever arm in and of itself is longer like you probably need to pay a little more attention to it's what more you're stress doing. more right. stress is more stress do you know what I find fascinating and that maybe this is a shout out to like maybe something that we haven't figured out uh, as quickly as like jujitsu gyms have now or originally when jujitsu was not like popular yet you know uh mid 90s to basically the mid 2000s like you would go to any if you were like in a jujitsu gym in america you're probably being taught by a blue belt right somebody who's oh, like interesting yeah oh, just because there wasn't a lot yeah, there's yeah. Like no fucking black belts you know there's like there's not real instructors anyway like you can listen to uh uh john uh what's his name uh coaches uh mcgregor uh i can't think of his name john something anyway uh his his gym straight blast gyms like he talks about it all the time like he was traveling i think every couple of weeks you know a couple hundred miles to go learn for like a couple hours from one guy and then he would come back and he would like train other people and he was learning it by training other people and i was like oh that sounds familiar <clears throat> the difference being um now today, when you go into a jujitsu gym, you can't really skip steps. There's no more like blue belts opening jujitsu gyms. That would be a fucking ridiculous thing because the amount of people that know about jujitsu is like it's significant. Yeah, you know, I, there's like 27 black belts in my. There might be 30 now. Like there's so many black belts in my school now. How many are qualified to teach? Not well. Most of them don't have the drive, so that's like a first separator. You know, they just 
you know, they're a black belt, but they don't want to uh, go through that process. But the amount that are qualified to teach out of those 30 is probably like only a portion. Yeah, just a small percentage. And I say that knowing that there's probably purple belts and brown belts and blue belts that actually are qualified to teach but aren't because now now because it's so dense now we're dealing with like authority issues right because a black belt's not going to be like cool a blue belt's teaching me today even if there's actually something valuable to learn Mm. that was something uh show your role got in kind of trouble for uh as a company they came out this is kind of interesting their commentary on it was to come out with that so if you look at the uh, belts you have like a black strip on a traditional belt or whatever the color of belt is until you get to um, black belt. And then you have like white stripes on a red tag. Yep. Right. Uh, and that's to show like, Hey, so you can put stripe it to show how advanced you are in that belt because you know, for whatever reason we need, like <laughs> people need positive feedback. Right. Like you're not just the black belt. Yeah. You're yeah, now you're, a black belt. With... Oh, you're just not a white belt. You're like a two stripe white. Belt. Right. But what Shoyro did is they came out with with belts that had red tags on it to make a comment that like everybody is a teacher. Everybody is sharing something that could be valuable. And the fucking community like flipped out about it. How dare you? This is like going against tradition. And they're like, (laughs) you know, and I'm like. I wonder why I'm attracted to companies like Show Roll because they like, you know, fuck you kind of deal. But it's also a good point. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I like stood by. I was like, that's a phenomenal idea because <clears throat> what they're also saying, funny enough, is that a black belt is far removed from a white belt. They're, they're like very far down the road, right? A blue belt kind of knows they're just... They just left where a white belt kind of was in their psyche and in their training and their right. habits. Which I think the psyche is a huge part of that. Huge, right? Hey, don't, and so like a black belt tells a white belt, hey, just stick with it. And they're like, well, of course you're saying that. You're a fucking black belt. It's just like, it's like me having a problem getting a muscle up and like, you know, Matt Frazier being like, well, just do one. And you're like, I can do 50. Why don't you just do it? And you're like, this makes no sense. But in this aspect, I see it because... I'm learning more frequently from purple and brown belts than I do from black belts. And it's because they're, they can see where I'm at and they're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I was right here. This is how I fixed that problem. So we haven't got to the spot in, I think, physical training culture where we have kind of that, that ability to teach people at multiple levels. People don't think about it like that because there's no progression. And we're not, most gyms don't teach, they instruct. Yes. So it's yeah, you yeah. know knees out, hips hip crease below the knee, <laughs> lock your out. bench press out, which I'm not saying isn't useful <laughs> or meaningful, but it's also not developing tools for those people to then, you know, express in their ways how to teach right. it to others. Yeah, it's also empty. Right. Right. It's an empty like a cue is generally an empty gesture most of the time. Unless it's like very specific and given at the right time. Yeah. And I think those have to be taught. Like I'm explaining to you knees out, not because you should just drive your knees out, but I want to create space so your hips can get below parallel because you have long femurs or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I To be fair, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about this for a while, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling froggy. Uh, we've been talking about, like, how do we, how do we, like, exchange the information we have? Now, I'm going to sound a little bit uh, conceited or maybe, maybe, like, egotistical, but we are really good at what we do. Like, I don't think that there's a situation that we can't handle that has to do with coaching in nutrition or physical training. And that's not to say me personally, but I can personally identify how somebody needs to shift and I can make the environment or put people with them to get that person to shift if they are willing. So we've thought about this because obviously we, we put it out a couple of months ago that we were like, you know, I accepted one uh, apprentice. So Lucas has been my apprentice now for almost six months. He's great. He's learned on a very like you know uh, methodical regimen. So we like meet once a week to ask questions and figure things out, and then he shadows basically every day. And I, this is what I've seen that happens. Sorry to cut you oh, off no, in CrossFit gyms where they need coaches. Because they don't exist in abundance, especially good ones. Right. So they go like, oh, we need somebody. 
Yeah. You generally get another person that did CrossFit. <laughs> Fine. But then like there becomes this immediacy to be like, we need to get you up and running and prep so you can start taking classes so I don't have to. Yeah. Which doesn't work, I don't think. No. Like there needs to be a learning process and progressions that happen from teaching, from observing, yeah. from doing, from being criticized for it, from relearning, like all of these things. And it just is like, oh, cool, you can like kind of command the class. We'll just make the workout extra easy. And now like you do the 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. whatever. Yeah, because it's uh, <clears throat> the constraint there is the business model. Right. You know, they have 30 people in nine classes a day or whatever, and they're really trying to facilitate uh, just somebody like running it to make sure nothing falls off the right, rafters, in which case they don't have to know about programming. Right. They don't have to know about actual exercise or physiology. They just have to be able to explain a workout and get people motivated. Right. Yeah. So, I guess. <clears throat> so... We, we we put it out there um, that we were like looking at apprenticeships, uh, looking at facilitating apprenticeships because we think it's important to teach what we know how to do to other people. Uh, somebody, a couple, <laughs> too many people probably reached out and <laughs> none of them really fit what we're looking for. But somebody mentioned that they were going to come visit here and it was too short of a time scale. I said, no, it's looking at six months and he's only going to be here for a month. But he was adamant about trying it. And so we made it work, and it was so it was really interesting um, because he he knew why he was coming here. I told him it was highly experimental, highly experimental. We're like we're not. Um, well, there's no curriculum. You know, I explained this over the the phone before he even flew here. It was like there's no curriculum. We need to see where you're at and see what kind of person you are. Which is exactly how we coach people. A hundred percent. It replicates what we do, right? And so I came here really antsy to start learning and i was just like you know we're gonna watch is it gonna take a bit it's gonna take like i have to watch you at least for a couple days week i don't who knows and we took as long as we needed and then the lessons that started getting imprinted almost had nothing to do with exercise right because what we identified was the biggest problem in in this person's coaching repertoire was not exercise instruction. It wasn't banter. It wasn't talking with clients. It was valuing themselves as what they are. They had a very hard time charging people money for their services. So that's what we worked on almost exclusively. It was just like, look, unless you can get this fundamental thing down where you can, you know what you're worth, your value in yourself is very high nobody's going to pay you unless you understand your worth. It is the most important thing. And it was frustrating for him because he, you know, he kept wanting to criticize what we we're doing. You guys don't like correct people. And we're like, Oh, we do. We just do it when it matters. You know, if, if, and his example was somebody uh, came in here and he's, you know, he's, he comes in maybe once or twice a week uh, with his wife. She drags him in, you know, and he's starting to get into it cause he's getting better. But he was like, you know, elbows flaring a little bit on a push-up, and it was in the middle of a workout. And he was looking at him. He's like, you're not going to correct him? And I was like, well, no, he showed up. Yeah, yeah you got to understand where people are. Dude, he did the hardest part that he's ever done. If I start beating him down with you're doing it incorrectly, he's not leaving feeling good about his decision to come. I was like, it's more important for me to just observe. He's just who gives a fuck, right? It's a fucking push-up. And if he was like, jumping around the room congratulating himself on beating somebody but his push-ups look like dog shit it's a different coaching aspect totally different yeah if he's here and he feels good about himself because he made it and he and i will make a couple adjustments hey next time try this or do this or that and and if he doesn't listen to it what the fuck do i care he's here having a good time him and his wife are doing something physical it's probably the healthiest thing he'll do all week he's not going to get injured from like an elbow flare on a push-up. And this kind of drove him crazy because his perception about what coaching was, was supposed to be like was we weren't fulfilling that thing. <clears throat> Yet we have undeniable results. So the interesting thing about spreading this information is like what I noticed from like trying this apprenticeship. And it we it's like, <clears throat> it's a fascinating process. I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> I'm not going so to. So much for keeping these short. I'm not going to right now, but the reason why I think it's interesting is because um, the process that he takes other people through 
right? He he knows what that person needs to do, or or we know. I should say I should say this differently. <clears throat> when I think that as a not me myself, but if I'm like as somebody who wants to get fit, I think I'm going to go to somebody and they're going to tell me exactly what I should do, and I'm going to follow that, and then they'll be the person that I should do. We know as coaches that's not how it works. Right when you show up and you want to change physically, I have to watch and adjust and make fine tunings here and there, and then I have to teach you about what I'm doing so that you you're learning about yourself through me. Really, what you're paying a coach for is to pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. So you're <laughs> when you recognize what that is, like really recognize it. People do not like to be observed, and so when you say, "Hey, I'm paying you to coach me," you get my attention, and that's not necessarily a positive thing. Right, it means I'm highly critical of what I'm looking at because I need to understand what is going on with what I'm observing that's not working for that person, and it's uncomfortable for everybody. It's uncomfortable for me because I have to point these things out. Now you understand how that works on a like physio- physiological level or like a training uh, level where somebody's just you know getting more fit, a client level. When it comes to an apprentice. It's the same process, except they think they're beyond it. They have this idea that somehow there's a curriculum and I can teach them 10 steps on, here's what you say, here's how you cue. And you're like, no, it's the same problem. I'm observing you and I'm trying to give you corrections that will make the most impact in your journey as a coach. And here's what I've observed over the month. If it was the same thing, if you just showed up and I said, apprenticeship program, month one, this is how we cover the squat. This is what you, that is such garbage. It's such bullshit. And everybody knows it's bullshit. So everybody wants the genuine thing. But when they come here and it seems disorganized or it seems like it seems like it's just up to happenstance, they get real concerned that they're, that this isn't like taken seriously, but it's actually taken the most seriously because we haven't pre-written a script. We haven't pre-prepared on how to do something because it's different for every single person. And I think once you understand that, like, like the process of changing yourself to become better, you'll start to understand the value in a place that can do what we do. Yeah, and I think the like the trap in that is the way the fitness industry has taught people how to do things. It's come to my certification. Mm-hmm. I will talk at you and tell you the things that I do, yeah. and then you can go imp- implement them yourself. Yes, yeah, I think and, that's 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 exactly. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's my experience with most coaches, right? Uh, coaches, quote unquote, because they they deem themselves experts, and therefore they think people come to them for their esteemed knowledge. But I know people come to me for my perception and my ability to like observe not necessarily and because if it's the other way around i i'm like under the the idea that i already have the answer but you can't help people if you already think that you have the answer yeah you have to actually observe and then admit when you don't have the answer that's like the biggest part of coaching is being like i can't help you yeah go go to somebody else sucks right (laughs) It does, but I've had plenty of times where I've had to tell people that. It doesn't suck as much anymore. Um, I shouldn't say it sucks because I think it's useful to like know your limitations. Oh, for sure. And, and yeah. understand like I can do this or I can't do that. Yeah. As opposed to like we do everything. And you're like, you can't. Like, yeah. I really don't think that you can. I mean, I tell people today um, if they want like me to do nutrition, I'm like, I'm not the best person for it. I know a lot about it. But I'm not the best guide for that track. Right. Yeah, I, I'm terrible at coaching it. Right. I get frustrated. I'm yeah. like, I don't understand why this is so hard. Erin <laughs> is fucking amazing at it. Yeah. She like she, she's compassionate. Yeah. She's empathetic. Like she gets I think the way we do with training, like she understands the psychology behind it, the traps, the pitfalls, where people like start to rationalize, like, oh, but I do this because this works for me. And you're like, obviously it doesn't. Do you know how she put it that I thought was fucking fascinating? She's like, she said this, not me. Don't fucking yell at me about, <laughs> don't fucking hashtag me to me or something like that. The She said, <clears throat> why I will always pick a male coach is because coaching is a process of control, right? You are getting mm. somebody to control their circumstances so that they like, 
they have the edge on it, right? So it's like controlling a barbell, controlling your knee alignment, control like controlling your shoulder. That's what, I mean, when we talk about strength training, what is it? It's control of a joint. Yeah. Right? So the, what she says. Controlling emotions. Yeah. The masculine energy exhibits a higher degree of control. She says, but nutrition is about nourishing. And it's like a feminine oh. energy is about taking care of yourself. And she's like, so I will only probably ever seek out advice on how to improve my nutrition through a coach, through a female. Now, that's not always true. Obviously, it goes either way. But she's like, as a general rule, as a general guideline, the energy that you get from the practitioner will be more on point if the profession matches that energetic thing. And I was like, that is a pretty fucking good observation. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, because it is, you know, it is for people so they don't get butt hurt. She's saying whoever has more masculine energy, yeah. I want to learn from them, which isn't to say women can't have it. It's just to say that quality in somebody is what she seeks out. And I think a lot of people do. Yeah. It's really bizarre. And, and then flipping it onto nutrition, like, I think it's a great fucking point. Because I mean, that you and me both, like, we just get frustrated. We're like, I, I don't like, I, I don't understand. Well, cause I don't think, I think she's right in like, you don't necessarily control food. Right. Right. You do it. How we do it. Do we do? We beat ourselves down with diets. We're like, nope, I'm having this and this, and this is how much. And we're like, our energy is able, like we're able to sustain that because it's for a period of time that we also control. But if you want to really teach people about it, if they're going to get the benefits of a good nutritional practice, they have to feel satisfied, contentment, they have to feel nourished, they have to feel balanced, and they have to do it by not being rigid because that's one of the things that deters most people is right. like this rigid approach to things. And so really it's about like, well, don't like, if you fuck up, like who gives a shit? Like there's no like long-term, like, oops, you went over your calories. But you remember this maybe when you were counting calories because I remember it. If it went over on the day, I was like, alarm bells off, right? I was like, I went outside the boundary. Okay, tomorrow I got to come down. I would like be yeah, very you'd be like, ooh, like what? What kind of exercise should I do right now to like Counter offset? Yeah, or I would go the other direction, and be like, well, I went over. Yeah, might as well really go over. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're coaching somebody into neuroticism. Yeah, if you're not careful with it. And her approach is like, if I don't have to use calorie counting, I won't but we need to get to the bottom of how much and there's right. Like she uses it, uses it as a tool so yeah. people can learn like portion size, yeah. what things look like and have an understanding around like it pulls what, out immediately. Yeah. Like what a plate of food looks like it, you know, these calories. Yeah. As soon as she can though, she's over that. She's yeah. like, now we're done. Now you know what food looks like. Now just use your hand and the plate and other things to like kind of guesstimate it. And we'll be very, very close as long as you don't go off the rails. If you go off the rails, then we have to come back to this. Yeah, it's like a control. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a control through like, it's a very motherly way to do it. Yeah. Right? It's like guiding somebody <laughs> like a little duckling across the like, street. All right, like let's go clean your room. And if yeah. you don't do it right, like then I'm going to have to watch you do it. That's fucking That's great. That's fucking bananas. But how how is she going to teach somebody that skill? That like this is what we're talking about. We're talking about like passing on these traditions because I think a I think they've been lost. Like I don't think people really have a good handle on how to coach. My last thing that I want to get into because I think it has to do with the subject. <laughs> I do want to get into the subject. All right. I have this premonition. Oh boy. <laughs> right? I, you can tell me, I, we could go over under, we could do, you know, we could do like a, I think the biohacking space is going to next get into exercise implementation. You'll have to explain that a little further. Okay. So biohacking is usually like, you know, like take this nootropic and then you can right. fucking, now they have got into exercises is in like these like use cryo and then do this and then like one kettlebell swing and then you'll get the activation or whatever. But since we talked about it last week about Peter Atia's thing, I've noticed like the the plethora of podcaster would be hacksters are getting it like they're I, I guarantee they're gonna come out with their own training programs. I can see it happening. Like I can see them gearing, they're asking questions about fit they're asking me questions about fitness. Well, that is what Peter Atia is doing, right? Yeah. Because he always has like this is the best movement for your health ever. And yeah. it's like 
yeah. a lateral lunge yeah. or some something. Yeah, it's gonna. Be, so I think the next, I think the next stage <clears throat> is to see that like, because it's like it's a fucking money pit, right? Like, man, if you have access to some technology and a person who has a name, uh, you can just rake it in on training monthly training programs. Like that is where the money is at for fitness because people don't know. You know, and we're dumb and we're like creating an online training program that's supposed to teach somebody because we're fucking masochists and we like to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, if we just use, if we were like Mark Twight's ultimate Alpine Navy SEAL workout. It'd probably make more money than anything that's happened in this building. 100%. <laughs> oh, we just couldn't live with ourselves, which is. Yeah, no, it would suck. It'd feel like dirty money. It would. It would feel fucking terrible. But what do you want to bet? That's my neg- the over the next six months. I think you're going to see at least like, I'm, I'm because you're talking about the hydrox jumping onto the. Uh, I just saw it as like a the thing that I see happening is getting like I don't know. It's going to be like a Dave Asprey, ten minute you know hack to fitness or whatever. Granted, I, okay, like Tim Ferriss has done this kind of shit for a while. Granted, I don't think he ever came out with a training pro- training program, but it was close four-hour body yeah i mean i don't even think we need an over under i just think it'll happen yeah it's i think it's going to be the next wave and i think it's because of peter idea i think yeah. that success in showing the huberman too yeah 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 same like thing. the the big names right now in biohacking <laughs> yeah. that everybody like oh he said do this let's go do it oh dude yeah uh when after andy galpin had like his thing with huberman and then now huberman's like been posting his training and you're like <laughs> First of all, all these people are talking about routines, right? There's like, this is my training routine. He's very, he's like, I uh, I lift three days a week and then I run three days a week and I run it. The, like, that is not fitness, right? That That's like exercise. It's retraining. It's retraining, 100%. It may be considered taking care of yourself. It is not a hack. It, it's it's better than nothing, but that doesn't mean it's good. And it doesn't even, and I know he's like applying a lot of science to it, but he is not getting, he's not functionally getting better at anything, which means it's a waste of time. That is not a hack. That's a waste of time. If you want to use physiology to improve yourself, it needs, it needs to be a progressive system. Yep. And anyway, that, that's my, that's my uh, fitness is fucked premonition. Well, now that I've gotten to talk all this out in what feels like a constructive manner, I've real I think I've come to realize what my biggest problem with coaching is. Okay. And that's I haven't figured out how to teach people how to do it. Fair. Fair. All right. Well, let's go figure that out. All right. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, man.